It's Dr. Stu's Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and listening. This is Dr. Stu's Podcast number 109. And we're really happy to have you on here. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at drstuespodcast.com. Once Renee fixes the website, Renee. Oh, Renee, you just got like a not good shout out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been, I've been picking on her for, all, for more than a week now. Anyway, you can find us, uh, you can like us on uh, Facebook at Dr. Stu's Podcast. You can uh, email me at Dr. Stu's at AskDrStu at gmail.com. You can email uh, Kimberly at uh, KimberlyDurden.com. That's my website, and you can contact me through the email there. I always forget that. that Before I get any further, I I have to say that uh, I have to thank, uh, once again, composer Hans Zimmer for our introduction, simply because uh, last weekend I had the good fortune of seeing uh, Mr. Zimmer perform uh, at the Microsoft Theater. Amazing. And he performed uh, a lot of my favorite soundtracks, which is my favorite classical music, and, and the violinist and the cellist and all those people were fantastic. And they did Pirates of the Caribbean, and they did Batman, and Dark Knight, and Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and uh, Interstellar, which is, of course, the, that song we just played, and uh, Inception, and so many of the soundtracks that are movies that I really like. So thank you, Mr. Zimmer, for uh, your contribution to our uh, the betterment of our world. Yeah, that's awesome. Great yeah, shout out. Sp- speaking of um, the betterment of our world... Hmm. Uh, well, first of all, before I get into that, it's good to see you, Kimberly. And uh, what's on your mind today? What's, uh, oh, you're actually going to ask me what's on my mind? I appreciate that. Is this a lead-in well, to do you something? Have any, do you have anything I just on wanna, your mind? I do, I do have a little bit of an uh, announcement. That's why I pay you the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm just going to make a pause right here. Yeah, yeah. Def- deafening silence. No, um, Last week, <laughs> I mentioned on podcast number 10, what are we on now? 109. So it was 107 that my daughter was pregnant. And I had said I couldn't, I didn't want to talk too much about it because she didn't give me permission to. But what I didn't mention is that she is having twins, which I think is so amazingly ironic that I work with Dr. Stu, the twin guy, and my daughter is having twins. We have no <laughs> twins in our family. Yeah. None on either side. So well, well, most families don't have twins in their family, though. I just want you to know that. But most twins aren't. Most twins are genetically. Tight. No, no. Most twins are random events. Really? Yes. Because what I unless well, it's unless it's IVF and stuff, which of course that's also random too. Exactly. But. So anyway, she's she's she is pregnant with twins. She actually has um, a set of Momo twins. Is that what you call them? Mono. Mono mono. Oh, you call them Momo. Momo or mono. Yeah, mono mono twins, which is of course super rare, and, and they are identical, and they are sharing the same um, amniotic sac. Right, which makes it much more risky that's and much correct. more. Uh, I taught her everything. <laughs> much more. Um, they're the most high risk and the rarest form of twins, as far as my understanding of what what I correct. read. Correct. That would be correct. And so that is why, although she had a home birth with her first, um, she will not be having a home birth this time um she has been closely monitored and intuitively she knew even in the beginning of the pregnancy before she found out for sure that she was having twins or actually after she found out she was having twins intuitively because i said well you know you can have them at home yeah <laughs> i know somebody except can if you help have mono, you out. except if you have mono mono exactly twins, but she or had, develop a problem with your twins right and intuitively she said you know what mom i feel like i'm gonna have a c-section this time and i 
was almost going to say, why do you feel that way? But then I just said, I stopped. And I thought to myself, her intuition is telling her something. Yep. Let me just leave space for what's coming up for her. And I said, okay, I hear you. And sure enough, when she got further, uh, uh, a further ultrasound, and as a matter of fact, you did one with her to help confirm that indeed they were mono, 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 yeah. twins. Um, you know, in it, the safest way to deliver these, these little people would be cesarean section. Yeah, as a matter of fact, these are words that rarely come out of my mouth. Yeah. All right. But in this case, the cesarean section is absolutely indicated. Yes. It's okay. It's true. It's good. I mean, let's be real. Oh, the police. See, the police are coming to get me. Because <laughs> I, I said something that I'm not supposed to say ever. But, <laughs> but no, wanna... this is one of those times where absolutely, positively, there's cord entanglement. I right. think I showed you a picture last time you were you here did. of another set of mono mono twins where the cords were just completely wrapped up right. in each other. Right. Uh, there's there's pro- high risk them. She's going to need to be monitored closely, and right. when she gets a little bit closer to term, yes. uh, they will probably go early and take yes. them early because it, there's that risk of uh, of them causing each other's demise. Right, and so uh, so that's one of the things that I think also can provide balance to all of us who listen to this show and who believe in birth. I mean, you know, cesarean section is not inherently evil. Uh, way to birth a child it's that there there is a place a time and a place for a cesarean birth and she's completely understanding and has she's just she's with it she's like she's not upset she's not disappointed she's really accepting where she's at and her focus is on growing these twins healthily so i just want to give my daughter some props because um one of the risks of these twins being in the situation that they're in is that one could grow faster than the other right so one could kind of draw twin to twin transfusion syndrome one can kind of draw uh from and take from the other and cause one of them to have a fetal demise so far Stu, i'm happy to report she's 20 weeks she just was seen by uh twin specialist at Cedars, a uh, three-hour ultrasound she just had at her 20-week appointment, and the twins consistently are concurrent. They are completely Concord- healthy. Concordant. Concordant sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. They are completely healthy. They have no um, anomalies, ish- issues, exactly. Right. And, and I really, I'm grateful that my daughter is really listening to her body and just taking it easy. She ended up having to leave a job that she was really, like she had just started and she really loved. And she said, you know what, I think I just need to focus on this for a minute. And um, so we're all just sending, and I'm sending a shout out to everybody who listens to us to send good But it's also the fact that your daughter was treated with respect and given information that allowed her to feel that this decision was being made by her as opposed to being literally, you know, uh, told what to do or, Absolutely. or condescended to in that Absolutely. sort of way. And as, as well, she still consults with her midwife because they've kind of thought of some out-of-the-box ways of continuing to monitor these twins. And so she, we have a Doppler. I have a Doppler. Pretty much my daughter's Doppler now. Keeps, yep. Stays by her bedside, and she checks in on the twins every day, every other day, and listens to their heart rate and checks in with them um, and, and, is, and is able to also accept care, the more high-risk care that she needs, and still, be, st- still is very adept at asking for informed consent and thinking about other ways that this pregnancy can continue, you know, and trying to see what her options are and not just kind of going along blindly like, okay, just tell me what to do. I love the fact that they're asking questions and they've changed doctors a couple of times and they feel very comfortable with who they are now. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Well, con- congratulations in advance. It, it's going to be, uh, 
you know, you're going to be sitting on the edge of your seat until yes. they're in the bassinet. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that's yeah. very, very exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, I was at, uh, I'm a little la- uh, knackered this morning or this, this afternoon because I was at a, putting the alliteration aside, I was at a beautiful birth in bed in Beverly Hills. <laughs> But um, last night, and didn't get uh, to sleep were till you about in four this morning. So apparently, you weren't the one in bed. I will. I was on her. bed. You were on the bed. I was right. on the bed, right, <laughs> along with uh, the dad and the midwife and the midwife student and the cat and the <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So it's it's it was nice to have a nice normal birth because over the past few weeks I've had a couple of breaches. Uh, actually, I had another nice normal birth. I did have a, a um, an interesting. Not an interesting, that's a terrible word to use, but a, a, a complication, a couple of them recently. I did have a, a baby that had a brachial plexus injury okay. on a breech birth, mm-hmm. and hopefully that baby's going to get better uh, over time. Um, but the birth itself was otherwise, you know, it was great up until the very end, and they got a little harrowing, and that mm-hmm. can happen. Um, the other one I had was a woman who had a, a partially retained fragment of placenta that okay. we didn't fi- really didn't pick up until about eight weeks postpartum. Oh. And, she was still and then bleeding. she ended up having a complication from trying to have a DNC and had to go to the hospital. Oh. And everything's fine with that. But okay. again, none of these things are yeah. without uh, risk, both in the hospital and at home. Yeah. I'd just like to say that you know there was nice collaboration with the uh, with the people over at Glendale Adventist who oh, took great. care of this lady and did a really good job with her. Um, and the people and the uh, the baby with the um, herbs palsy is is getting appropriate attention and great. therapy and. Stuff like that, and so only you only know those things are going to heal over time. You can, right. There's no prog- no way you can be prognosticating about that. So, right. um, but but we always feel bad, yeah. even when we try to do everything right. Uh, sometimes things don't go necessarily right. Yeah. Um, so because not everything is in our control. Right, right. But yeah. one thing that was in our well, we did have a chance to have some control over was what we're going to our topic for. Yeah, today. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> well, um, the, over the last few few days and stuff like that, I've been basically doing my best to unwash some brains. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> because uh, you know we've had there's a lot of brainwashing that goes on in our profession, and there's there are uh, people who would who would prefer to pull the wool over our eyes, and and just like the with the vaccine law that's been discussed, and maybe mm-hmm. I po- we're going to talk a little bit about s- something about that in the next podcast, um, but. Uh, there was an attempt here in California, um, and this would be a really good question. It was called Senate Bill 457, and it was rec- it was pulled. I don't know when this podcast will come out, but it was pulled yesterday afternoon, which which April, was uh, April 20th. Yeah, that was yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. right? Okay, sorry. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, it was 420. By the way, yeah, it was a day it was pulled on 420. So. Um, Anyway, the, well, uh, yeah, just the address of the house I delivered the baby at last night was 420. Really? Yeah, but the baby was born just after midnight, so it was 421. We were just hoping for a before midnight baby. (laughs) Anyway, this bill was extremely, extremely uh, absurd Mm -hmm. and out of left field. And And the, I guess it's not really out of left field if you pay attention to what's going on, but for most women and most practitioners, we were really caught off guard because it was a, uh, attempt to do something similar to what has been done with abortion legislation called TRAP laws. Hmm. TRAP stands for Targeted Regulation of Abortion Providers. In other words, this bill, I think, was put forward by um, a Senator Bates in, in Orange County. I'm not sure exactly why, and I would love to have an opportunity at some point to sit mm-hmm. down with my state senator uh, or Senator Bates and, and have a little more discussion about the process. But this bush bill was pushed by the American College of OBGYN, 
and the California Medical Association and probably other uh, industrialized medical lobbies. Um, I think it's a big legislative push this year of the American College of OBGYN to try to get rid of home birth. Mm -hmm. And I really think it is a, it is a power grab and a, a way to continue to keep revenue in a, in a time when there's shrinking revenue, shrinking reimbursement, and uh, there's a f growing trend, although still quite small, for women to want to uh, seek alternatives to right. hospital birthing because they're not very, right. they're happy with it. But trap regulations, by the way, um, were the whole purpose of them is was to single out medical practitioners uh, who provided abortions and impose on them requirements that are different and more burdensome than those imposed on other medical practices. Mm -hmm. So what happens then is that in Sacramento, rather than the you know, I don't want to be name calling too much, but I think that there's a lot of cowardliness going on there. Rather than them, you know, banning breach, all, uh, banning birth, home birth altogether, right. which would then raise eyebrows with the population, and women might actually get motivated, and some people might not get reelected. They've decided to go at home birth by going after the practitioners to make it so burdensome and so restricted that essentially there are, won't be any choices left and women will be able to have a home birth, but it will be illegal for anyone to come and assist them who's qualified to do so right. at home. And uh, some of the provisions in the bill are, are, are even more absurd. And I think this is pushed really by the American College of OBGYN and the California Medical Association and probably some of the other industrial lobbies like the hospital lobby as well, because it's a monetary thing. It's about a power grab. It's about not losing control in an era where reimbursement's going down and uh, the writing's on the wall that the hospital model for OB is, is, is not doing the job and people are beginning to understand that and there's because of social media and bigger, right. bigger ideas, these things are getting out there and even though it's growing slowly, the home birth or out-of-hospital birth movement is growing. Yeah, absolutely. So what they've done is they've, they've, they've they put forward a law, and, I, and here's the deal about a law like this. The, reading this law, I know for a fact this couldn't have been written by a, uh, a legislative aide, all right? This had to be written by a lobbyist, all right? Because, why, why do you know that? Well, so tell just me what you mean Because there's, there's medical terminology here. Oh, I see what you're saying. All right, there's a lot of medical terminology in here, mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't believe that people were aides to Senator Bates or anybody else Right. could write this. So I think a lot of legislation, from my experience and, and reading, is written by lobbyists. I think the, uh, the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. the 2,400-page bill we call Obamacare, was also written by lobbyists. Okay. All right? So I know that this was written by somebody, just because of the way the language is. Right. One of the, we talked, uh, you and I talked before the show, there's a couple of things that are really absurd on this. One is that any previous abdominal surgery, including things like a laparoscopy, would disqualify you from having a, uh, a birth out of the hospital. Meaning that if a five-year-old had a laparoscopic appendectomy, she could theoretically be disqualified from having a vaginal birth 30 years later, and there is absolutely no correlation, no connection to that whatsoever. Right, or uh, gallbladder surgery, I understand. Yeah, and ovarian cystectomy, uh, you know, a penetrating injury. I mean, if as long as it didn't you know, affect the uterus, what difference does it make? Right. So they put in they put in all these things, which are are really, um, oh God, they're so they're so infuriating that is I'm gonna I'm gonna stumble on my words sometimes. So here's what the bill says: It says a licensed a licensed physician and surgeon, a licensed midwife, and a certified nurse midwife. Okay. Shall only attend cases of pregnancy and out of hospital childbirth when all of the following conditions are met. Okay. okay? The first one they talk about is that. 
one, there is no increased risk to the patient or client because of a disease or condition that could adversely affect the pregnancy and childbirth. Okay, now, any pregnancy can, can, can have that happen. So, you know, you don't know that. Right, going in. And what happens is, is that a decision about where to give birth, yeah. there are risks at giving birth in the hospital, there are risks to giving births at home. Right. So there are never no risks in the hospital either. Right. Right. So the well-informed woman is the one that has the right to make that decision. Absolutely. All right. This would this basically violates the basic tenet of medical ethics. Um, okay. We talked about the one with prior uterine or abdominal surgery. All right. Now that's so vague. Right. That what if what if she had a tummy tuck? <laughs> or or what if she had um uh, when you get the stomach smaller, so you were losing weight and that sort of thing. What is that called? Oh, ga- gastric, gastric bypass. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, t- technically speaking, if somebody has a gastric bypass, they may have metabolic reasons, issues or other things that do require them to be more more involved. More monitored. But that that's has true. nothing to do with the... the sur- that's not what they're talking about. Yeah, I understand so what you're saying. They're, they're yeah. going nuts. Okay. Then the next one says there has to be a singleton fetus. <laughs> okay. So no twins. All right. Uh the baby has to be in the head down position by 36 weeks. Basically, no breaches. Right, which so. is basically saying no breaches, all right? Um, the gestational age of the fetus has to be between 37 and 42 weeks, which is the one that's already affecting the licensed midwives that it is. Right. The interesting thing about this, too, is that this is the first bill that I've seen that includes the words licensed physicians and surgeons. So the question is, why are they doing that since basically I and maybe one or two other people in the whole state of California are the only physicians doing that. And I know, I'm not so egotistical to think that they're passing a law against Dr. Stu. So my theory is, and I think it's a good theory, is that they put the word licensed physicians and surgeons in there so they could take away the right. ability of the midwives to complain that this is biased or discriminatory. Right. Because it's a false flag because essentially the, the doctors are offering her up nothing. Right. Because they don't do this anyway. Right. But they're saying, look how fair we are because we're including We're including ourselves. everybody. Right. No one can do it at home. It's not about you being a midwife. Right. Now, um... But also, um, you know, it's also discouraging to other physicians who are maybe thinking about practicing in a different way. It also, you know, knowing that that, if this was to pass, that that was out there would be very discouraging to a physician who's like, well, maybe I want to do it differently. Maybe, maybe I can go learn from somebody like a doctor's do or this person or that person who's delivering, um, breech babies. And there, you know, it, it seems as if a lot of times in, in the medical, um, model, there is a lot of fear. Um, not only that's per, that's kind of thrown on our, our, the clients, the patients, as you guys call them, we, you know, we call them clients, but you guys call them patients, but also the professionals themselves. Everyone is scared. Everyone is scared of of litigation. Everyone is scared of of losing a job. Everyone is but, scared of being blacklisted. I'm talking about the people that are working within the mainstream system, you know, so physicians. Why are they scared? They're they're scared that they're going to be ostracized. They're scared that they're going to be um, blacklisted. They're scared that. Oh, I mean, you're saying that they're scared of of going off the reservation. Exactly. All right, but why are the people on the reservation so scared? Because they're well, the ones that are, they're the ones that are generating the the fear that exactly. that has permeated our culture regarding birth. Oh, well, you I'm sure have m- many more eloquent words to to actually encapsulate what's going on there, like actual words for it. But it is what you said earlier. It's it's knowing it's the knowing that people are waking up and people are seeing a different way, and that the things pe- consumers are asking to see a change in the medical model. Many people are not happy. And that 
is scary to the status quo. That's scary to business the way it's being run right now. This is a business. Business the way it's being run right now. When you talk about reimbursements going down and all those sorts of things, all of that has to play. You know, you have this big institution. You have the uh, American College of OBGYNs. They are a huge institution. They have money. They have backing. They have this, that, and the other. They want to keep that. They want to hold on to their privilege and their power. They do not want to acquiesce. They are not only concerned with the, the health and care of the mothers and the babies and the families. And I think that um, it's clear because we don't see informed consent. We don't see informed choice. This is how this is how doctors and medical systems are supposed to be running, but we don't, I mean, there's just so much dysfunction and people are waking up. So, you know, you mentioned the advent of social media. Let's not downplay that. It's huge. Social media is yeah, huge. I, I just have to think, though, that I think, I think of all the emails I read the past week and all the panic and all the energy that put in by the great people that work for the California Association of Midwives and the California Association of Licensed Midwives that are on top of this and our friend Jen Camel from VBAC Facts. Oh, man. She's amazing. And, and all the people and all the energy and all the money that was spent and all the calories and all, <laughs> and all the uh, stress and the adrenal fatigue Yikes. and the time that was spent to write letters and call our, uh, call our senators. And I want a, a shout out to all the people. I mean... We, you know, our network flooded. Do we have? Do we know how many calls were no, actually there's no made? Way there's no way that. to know, right? We know that they were flooded. Right. And I, I spoke to my senator, uh, senator's uh, office person, whoever right. answers the phone. Right. And she was great. I spoke to her for five or a uh, little more than five minutes. Tell me what you said to her, so we can give a oh, primer, I, a I primer for to, what to do when we call I these was. folks. Uh -huh. I explained to her who I was. Right. You know, it's different for me. I, I wasn't just voicing it as a woman. Obviously, I'm a man calling. But I, I explained who I was and the fact, and I told her that everything that's in this bill is, is that the ACOG is presenting as something that's unsafe is not really unsafe. There's actually no data right, to, to support that this is unsafe. Yeah, there's no data to describe the safety of breach deliveries at home. Right. I mean, breach deliveries are unsafe if, with, no matter where you do them if somebody doesn't know what they're doing right. or they don't pick the people properly. Right. But there's no data to say that that's unsafe. There's no data to say that VBACs are unsafe at home. Right. None. Right. right? And even if they are, and it, but we're talking about small risks. Right. It always boils down to whose decision is that? Right. And is it the state's decision to nanny us to death, <laughs> to micromanage us? If they, th you know, and again, they always use safety as the canard. They use right. safety as the argument that says we're doing this for safety purposes and blah blah blah. And if the alternative were completely safe, that would be fine. But it's not. So this isn't about safety. This is about manipulation. This is about monetary gain. Mm -hmm. This is about uh, ACOG using the useful idiots in Sacramento to. You know, I mean, I just have a hard time believing that people in Sacramento who, if you tried to limit the rate, the, the right of a woman to choose abortion, would, would kick you out their door in a second, are selling their souls for what, a $5,000, $10,000 campaign contribution hmm. from some lobbyist or, or a nice golf course or a nice whatever they're getting? Because how do you get influenced by this? I understand that people in Sacramento the senators and the legislators there, they can't know everything about everything. So they right. have to take their information from lobbyists, right. right? But don't they have don't they want to talk to the other side? I mean, why is it that we had to seek them out? Why did this bill even get proposed well, before Bates's office came to the, the California Association, Association of Licensed Midwives or or even somebody even you know, look at I don't really want to be involved in this sort of thing. I would rather just keep my head down, do what I'm doing and right. and go about my business. I didn't want to spend you know, two hours on a on a Tuesday morning writing or Wednesday morning writing a letter, right. um, 
by the way, that people can find on my blog page yes. um, that I wrote to Sacramento. Um, I didn't want to have to do all that stuff. Right. So why is it that they don't come to us? Is it laziness? Is it really that they're bought off? I mean, you look at Senate, you look at how Senate Or is Senate it bills, that they think people that have home births are crazy? <laughs> because well, you, only the only reason they I mean? would think that is because they're told that exactly, and it's like it, 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 that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's like, is it that they can just say, "Oh, home birth"? Well, that's weird. So yeah, of course, um, we need to do something about this awful home birth. You know what? Who are they listening to, and why did it? And how how did we find out that this bill was being proposed? Now, how did it? Who got tipped off? Because well, suddenly, they have to, once a bill is proposed, I think we have we have legislative watchdog groups. Got it. That, that picked just, it up. I think Calm picked it up. Got it. Um, getting back to some of the other lunacies in this bill before we go further, because I don't want to get too far off the track. One of them, which is my favorite, is that it says that one of the other conditions that has to be met is transfer to a hospital setting can occur within 20 minutes from the initiation of the transfer, which means that people living in rural, Topanga rural Canyon, yeah, people living in Laurel Canyon, People, uh, people who have to be transferred at five o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Uh, you know, you have to live basically across the street from the hospital right. in order to get there within twenty minutes. So, where did the twenty minutes come from? Right. And who, who made that up? And who's going to? How do you? How do you? Who do you check in with to say, well, I live twenty-one minutes away from the hospital? Who's right. the do you, person do they, that oversees? Does the state come and do a test drive? Right. To, right. to your nearest hospital. Uh, yeah, I have to tell you, it's a funny story. When I was still practicing in the hospital, and they made a twenty-minute rule. Uh, at the hospital, and I lived, I lived in the valley, you know, in the in Camarillo, and the hospital. When you took Santa Rosa Road, I could get there in 19 minutes. But when I got called before the committee, they had one of the other doctors in the committee had taken the 23 to the 101 to Pleasant Valley Road to the hospital, and it took them about 27 minutes to do it. And so I was outside the 20 minute rule, and they oh, said I couldn't do certain things with I couldn't supervise gosh. the midwives. So they actually they actually did do that. They actually oh did have gosh. somebody uh, take the drive. But I'm not even I'm not even joking. <laughs> where does the 20 minute come? From? How come all women who go into labor at home don't have to live within 20 minutes of the hospital? Because theoretically, somebody who's planning to go to the hospital could go into labor at five o'clock in the afternoon, and she could be have really heavy bleeding and need to get there right away. And she's more than 20 minutes away. Maybe she shouldn't allowed to be allowed to have a baby. So then that sh- that means that all these places that that women can't get to a hospital, can't get access to care within 20 minutes, actually. Well, think about it. I mean, that's 90% of the state of California. <laughs> okay. So, essentially, that's another way of trapping people by, by, by putting in a rule like that, making it Ill- you know, illegal. It really seems like they're pulling at any little thing that they can. Because some of the things also that they propose are already part of the uh, midwife law. So, but I guess since they included physicians, that really covers the ground and 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 gets rid of anybody who would, for instance, be able to uh, help a baby like a physician who would do home birth that can help a baby that is being born at home after forty two weeks. So now, you know. Anyway, so what's the bottom line? What is happening? I know a lot of people called, and this was like it was like two weeks ago, and I think we started hearing well, about this. It, it, and it, people have been calling and calling and and talking. Well, to we the senators. we won this round, okay, mm-hmm. in, at least in California. And the way the law works in California, from my understanding, is that they can't they can bring it up again next year, mm. and you can get your bottom dollar that they will they bring will. it up again yeah. next year. Because as I said earlier, I have it on good information that it's ACOG's number one legislative priority this year, not lowering the C-section rate, not improving outcomes, not not doing anything. The, 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 the number one pre- uh, priority is to knock out the... Home birth? The, well, 
out of hospital birthing, competition. You know, that's the way I look at it. And, yeah, you know, competition. Call me cynical. Call me truthful. I don't. <laughs> I don't really care. Um, I'm just saying that I would love to sit and get an ACOG representative who thinks this is a good idea um, and discuss that with them. Now, next week, I'm going to, or two weeks from now, I think I'm going down to San Diego for the American College OBGYN's annual convention. Oh. And the only reason I'm going is because it's you, in San Diego and my daughter, <laughs> my daughter will be <laughs> That's back. That's the only reason. My daughter, no, it's the only reason. My daughter will be back in Barcelona, from Barcelona, so I get to spend a couple of nights and having dinner with her. But, um, no, I, I don't want to go there. No, listen, I, I know there? you don't want to go I, there, I, but. I'd rather have nails on a blackboard <laughs> all day long. I'm going to have to sit and listen to people say stuff like, all women should be delivered at 39 weeks. Right. Or home birth is uh, unethical. Or, right. You know, and again, there's some, look, at, I know that there's some good information there. I am being a little bit histrionic about the whole thing. But, and there will be some good lectures, and I signed up for some lectures that are really interesting to me. Great. But I know one of the two Cornell... Uh, Guys. Mm-hmm. Waxman? No. That no, one. no, not... Uh, Grunbaum and uh, Chervenak. One, one of the two, he's going to be giving a talk on how... Hospitals should respond to the home birth transfer. Really? So yeah, it's a, lun- it's a lunch breakout session. I got to get into that one. I I, I wasn't I, I didn't see it until after I signed <gasps> up for another one. So I'm going to check when I get there and make sure that I sneak in. Oh my god! But I'm not going to say anything because there's well, no- they actually already didn't they already put out something about how, how hospitals should deal deal with home birth transfers a couple of well they they basically ago? no they they put out a statement saying that doctors should should <laughs> not support the decision of a woman to have a home birth. They should not support it, and they should ostracize practitioners who support home birth. That's their ethical, that's what's called professional responsibility ethics, and it overwhelms beneficence-based ethics, which has been the the basic of Can I ask you a question? Yes. Who owns birth? The American College of OBGYN. Hmm. (laughs) Doesn't it? You would think. It's in their bylaws. You would think. It's in their bylaws. You would think. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's no disclaimer. It's in their bylaws. That's the way it goes. Um... You know, and then everything, a, a lot of what they say about VBAC and other things like that, they're, they're, they're own, they, about the informed consent process, they make it sound like only the legislature can protect the California woman from the, <laughs> from the evil home birth people who are not going to obviously give them informed consent. And therefore, you know, because we would obviously skew our consent. They would never do it. The hospital <laughs> people would never skew their consent, but we would skew Why don't they, f- you know, look at this is something I said in my letter, and if the American College of OBGYN is so concerned about the welfare of women in this country, and, there, and, and we know that the outcomes in the United States are not very good compared to other industrialized countries. Absolutely. You have to be an honest person to say that the reason things are bad here is not because 1% of women are choosing to deliver outside of the hospital. No. That's right. right. Why are we focused on that 1%, that particular 1%? Yeah, the 99% is picking on the 1%. Yeah, and the 99% that is birthing in the hospital, you know, are not having a 99% satisfaction rate or 100%. There, There is a lot of dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction at what's going on. And, you know, speaking of which, and I just want to maybe we can just kind of close with this. Um, uh, well, I got, I got to do okay, one well, more. Okay, well, do me, your thing. Let me do one more. Yes, there's another, please. There's another provision that says, if any evidence of a disease or condition that could... I'm going to emphasize the word could adversely affect the pregnancy and childbirth arise. The patient or client shall obtain a medical examination by a licensed physician and surgeon with privileges to practice obstetrics and gynecology. I'm assuming that means in a hospital or the licensed physician and surgeon licensed midwife or licensed certified nurse midwife shall initiate appropriate interventions, including transfer first responder, emergency care or emergency port support uh, transport. So now, 
you, they're using the word could, all right? Could includes everything. Right. All right? You know, a baby that comes out with a one-minded APGAR of two, all right? Mm -hmm. That could turn out to be bad, but if experienced practitioners know what they're doing, right. the five-minute APGAR will likely be eight or nine, and it'll be, right. everything will be fine. Are we now obligated to call 911 uh, every time something could possibly be turning sour? Um, but but also the thing that it, it just leaves the door wide open for for Monday morning quarterbacking is least, what I'm saying. It do you understand door, that? I do. Yeah, it okay. leaves the door wide open. However, at the same time, it also shows that they don't that it doesn't seem as if they understand how licensed midwives, certified nurse midwives actually practice. Well, that would be a good point. Because <laughs> we, if we have a mom with a condition that's arising in pregnancy that's going to make home birth a less safe place for her to have her baby, we do our due diligence to transfer care if that's what's needed. And whether that's in a pregnancy or in a, in a labor, in a postpartum experience, we are, that's part of our training. You know, I tell my childbirth clients all the time, like, you know, a baby comes out and everything's great. Um, I can't take credit for that. <laughs> it's just, that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. What we're trained for is not for when everything goes great. Our training is all about, what when things? What about when things aren't going great? Yep. Learning the skills to manage when things aren't great. How to recognize when it's time to transport or when it's time to transfer care or all you know when a, a, a client needs extra support beyond what a, a midwife scope of practice, for instance. Even for you as a as a licensed physician that's doing births at home, you could not take my daughter who is ex expecting these special type of twins, and you very well know that because of your training, because you're you're not an idiot. I mean, you know, there's some things that you can do. <laughs> In this space, no, wait, and there's something. There, there are people. There are people who would argue with you. Well, okay. So, well, the point. The point is that you know, there. It really goes to show you that they actually don't know how we practice. It is not just throwing up, you know, sticks and herbs in the air, and you know, divining, you know, what, you know, or just kind of shaking <laughs> bells, you know, doing a prenatal visit. You, you, we shake you, bells you, you and we dance around, you, you and that's do, our prenatal. You don't do care the little rocks in a bowl and, and, no, rocks and, and shake, yeah, well, shake them out or tea leaves. I'm working on that now for my homework. How about the herbal tea leaves? Yeah, I, it's part of my homework. This my, this uh, module okay. that I'm working on. Yeah. So no, but seriously. Well, okay. So so the, the bottom point, bottom the point line, is that people don't understand. Yeah. The bottom and the bottom line is what can we do. Because we know it's coming back. So here's what I would suggest. Okay, yeah, I want to hear this. Um, after listening to some other people, and these aren't all my original thoughts, but some of it. First of all, we need to continue to contact our state senators and state, and state uh, uh, I guess, representatives. And what should we do when we contact well, them? Well, we I, th I think we need to go sort of on the offensive. And we need to say, you know, we need laws that guarantee the right of a woman to have a home birth. Ah, got all it. Right? And... We are going to, you know, if the women of California would wake up, all right, it would cause such nervousness in Sacramento. And we the women, you're just exclude, you're excluding, you're just saying women, but you know, men. Well, make I'm, babies. I'm, women will motivate the men. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's the way it works mm -hmm. because men, you know, they like sex and sports, <laughs> and they're not really too much interested in in where women give birth. It's not their thing. Right, but their voices need to be heard too because they are the they, they are part of this, and I think that would also granted. Help. But they will do. I mean, quite frankly, as a man, we would do what our woman wanted us to do. Right. All right. So what I'm saying is, is that is that when things like this happen, bills like this, or when uh, Senate Bill 277, the the crazy vaccine bill that we have here in California, which all listeners around the world should know about, because it's going to come to a, a theater near you at, one, yeah. at some point. 
the drug companies are not going to let up on their their monopoly and their and their cash cow. But none of these people got defeated in an election. They they have there's a 100% re-election rate. Hmm. So what we need to do is we need to look at these people and just like ACOG or the teachers union or the you know the SEIU would say to them if you don't do this we're going to put money right. in we're going to support uh, a challenger to you. We need to like start I to agree. think about maybe we maybe we go to these people and say you know what we're going to put people up to run for your seat. And then maybe they, they say they laugh at us and they say, well, nobody's going to run, blah, 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 because it is a power grab in, in, and these people all know the inside training. And those of us on the outside really have no chance in that, in that realm unless we have like our, our legislative groups like Calm and Cam right. and some of these other people. But we need to challenge them yeah, because we know that in a year it's coming right. again. So we need to start now. Uh, being on the offensive, yeah, and, and I, come I, up with a plan. I, you don't want to wait to the last minute like we did this time, which right. worked to, to kill the bill. But we need to inform these people that in Sacramento that that ACOG is wrong. Right. Good. All right. And if they and, and if they're not wrong, at least there's enough reasonable evidence to suggest that there are alternatives, right. and then the ethical obligation of choice belongs to the woman, and that is, that is who you're supposed to represent. Right. You're not supposed to represent represent special interest right. you're supposed to re- represent the women of california but right. that was a tough word for me to get that out <laughs> so um what i'm saying is is that yeah we, we need to proactive. start now we so need to start now don't just be happy and sit back on our laurels till next january when the bill is resubmitted yes. Yes. you know continue to 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 get politically active yes to write letters of support for midwifery to write letters of support for home birthing to, you know i'm going to continue to try to publish stuff and put out articles and Good. stuff but i really you know I, i'm alone and uh, you know i i'm a very tiny little voice in right. the wilderness and um well, we need help building a toolkit of action steps for our folks that are yeah so and so the other thing you can do as jen camel has very nicely said is you can you can donate right to the uh, California, California Association of Licensed, Licensed Midwives, Midwives because it costs a lot of money to lobby. It costs a lot of money to travel back and forth and yes. stay in hotels and, and gasoline and all that and food and all that other stuff. So um, please do that. Please go to that and please take this issue to heart. That's great. Again, this has been Dr. Stu's podcast. We're running out of time. The music is up. It's podcast number 109. We thank you for listening. You can like us on iTunes. You can find us at drstuspodcast.com or on Facebook. Uh, give us five stars. Uh, email us at askdrstew at gmail.com or Kimberly? Kimberly Durden at uh, KimberlyDurden.com. <laughs> right. And you can also find my stuff at Birthing Instincts. And on the blog page is the letter that I wrote. I'd be happy to have you read that. You can make comments, share it, pass it on. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you Thanks next for time. listening. Okay.